Sky Blue Fans TV. Uh, tonight, I have a very special guest, uh, former Coventry City defender David Boost. Um, so, welcome to our podcast, David, and also been joined by Ken Stewart, regular podcast with us. Um, welcome, David, to our podcast. Um, I wanted to sort of talk about your career with Coventry City and obviously before before you, before you joined Coventry City as well, and, and then we'll talk to David about um, sort of after football, after his horrific injury. Um, his time with Sky Blue Community, and then we'll sort of talk about, um, you know, his views on, on the current season under Mark Robbins. So that's kind of the you know, the format for tonight. And then we'll be hosting a competition, uh, which Ken will talk about uh, for your chance to win two tickets. Or was it a family ticket? Apologies yeah, for awesome. the Blackburn yeah. Brothers game. Yeah, perfect. Um, welcome, Dave, to our podcast. Um, yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no, yeah. it's great to have you on, and, and thank, thanks for joining. So, um, obviously, before we go into the football side, um, obviously, you were born in Birmingham in uh, 1967, on the 30th of June. Um, growing up, wise, who, which football teams you support? Which, which sort of role models did you have? For sort of, you know, before you, you got into football properly. Um, interestingly enough, I was a Leeds United supporter in my uh, formative years, um, oh. probably because probably around about the early 70s, uh, Leeds were top of the league. <laughs> um, but the rest of my family are all Villa fans. And um, but yeah, so I, I used I like the Leeds team. Um, I used to have Alan Clark kit number eight and he was sort of my uh, favourite favourite player and the little garters he used to get on your socks. Um, we used to love those those things. So uh, yeah Leeds, Leeds United were uh, good purely I can only imagine because they were top of the league. Yeah um, I mean it's I guess back in those days, they were the team, weren't they? They were like the Man City, Liverpool today, weren't they? I guess. Yeah. They were. Clark, from from Mary Allen Clark, he was quite a dirty player. He was a very good striker. I, remember, <laughs> yeah. well, I, mean, I mean, I'm a bit young to remember him, but I watched the old match today footage, and uh, yeah, I think I've got a good striker. I've got sort of an eclectic sort of memory of over those years of people like um, Peter Lorimer. You know, it was hot shot Lorimer, and um, you know, I used to. You know, Duncan McKenzie, and then there was Gordon McQueen, Joe Jordan, you know, a little bit towards the end of the 70s, but um, Trevor Cherry, Paul Maidley, um, it just, you know, David Harvey, it was, uh, but, and it went up until I was probably about 15, 15, 16, really, that I was, I still followed Leeds, uh, I'd been to a couple of games um, and that, but then after that, sort of, you know, just faded away. And now I'm, a, I'm a, an adopted Cov City supporter since 1992. Yeah, yeah no, fair play. Um, was football your first love, or did you have any other sort of other sports you you, you wanted to be if you wasn't a professional footballer? Uh, obviously, football was the uh, you know I was on the era where it was jumpers for goalposts and we can go and play in the streets, um, you know, and it's I played cricket in the summer, um, you know, played. Uh, I sort of like most sports. Tried tried my hand at everything, you know, rugby, just you know, doing PE at school. Uh, you used to. You know, I used to do the high jump. I used to do the cross country. Uh, you know, I did a bit of everything. You know, was, I was you know, I think a lot of people who were sporty sort of try try everything. And 
you know, and then they, you, just, you just concentrate on one. But football's always been the constant from a very young age of just wanting to play football. You know, that's my default default mould. Mm. And was, was, was defender the only position you played in? Did you play any, any other positions for your No, uh, I wasn't a, I only went into defence when I was about 16. So, um, obviously, I hadn't grown. I was a little... I was a little chunky left winger, even though I'm right-footed. So uh, I used to yeah. play on the left wing, and then, um, funnily enough, one of I was playing um, for a under 16s team, and uh, one of our sweepers didn't turn up. So I went and played sweeper for one game, and then um, that was it. Never looked back. I sort of played for my Sunday sides. I played, you know, either centre forward, left wing, or right wing. Uh, for my school team, I played midfield. Uh, for the County team and the district sides. Um, I sort of I was right back or left back because I was, I was I was quite small, um, uh, but I could play you know on either side. But uh, I had a growth spurt, you know, quite a big growth spurt from 16 to about 19, which then just see me filter into sort of centre half. Yeah. Um, do you find that when you feel in centre half, does that feel like a natural position for you, or was it kind of, is it or was it kind of unnatural to start with or kind of like uh, to, to duck to water I think it just it's obviously at opposite ends of the pitch so uh, um, I, I don't know I, I had I had a year of when I, when I was I had the biggest growth spurt from when I was about 16 and had a year where I was you know not playing any any standard I was playing works football from I, I worked for Botanic Assurance so I played in the works league and I was playing fullback then um so it, it, it was just a way of toughening me up, really, and getting used to the physical side of the game. And uh, um, and to be honest, it was that was probably the best preparation I could have had for any other football that followed afterwards, because it was it was matching and not coming through the youth setups and academies at, at schools where they probably don't play that physical football until they either get in the first team or they're playing in the 23s or it it. it, it it's and if they don't make it professionally and then they drop down to non-league, the biggest thing that stops them is the, the physicality of the game. Um, luckily, I had I had that sort of you know thrown in playing against adults in the you know the uh, the West Midlands um, leagues and um, it, it it just it just sort of uh, I got roughed up, but it was you know it was a great learning curve for me. So that physical side of it, which goes alongside probably being a defender. Uh, and just being competitive, really. It's I think it's natural traits, whether you, no matter what position, it's that desire, at, attitude, application. You know, to want to want to be better at what you can do and how you learn off people and what your influences are. You know, through yeah. those sort of formative years. Yeah, and obviously in the early nineties, you played for more Greens. Is that the old uh, Solihull Moors? Is it was now that the old team? Is that right? Yeah. So there's two teams before. There was more Green and Solihull Borough. Um, yeah. yeah, so, so I just just before I went to Moor Green, I uh, went to Moor Green when I was 19. So around about 18, 17, 18, um, I started playing for Kings, Kings Heath, um, who were in the Midland Com then. And we played Moor Green in the Birmingham Senior Cup and we drew with them 1-1 um, at our ground, which was um, in Shirley. And then we played them and we lost 1-0 at their place on the return. And Bob Fulton, who's the manager, um, he then put seven days in for me um, and three times he had to come and try and get me to sign because I, I was playing with my mates and I didn't really want to go. And then my dad, who's probably my biggest, well, he's my biggest influence on my career. 
he was on a uh, holiday at the time and then when he came back and heard he just come around to my house picked me up um and then went right you're, you're gonna play for more green so off i went <laughs> under under his uh influence because he knew he was the best move i was i was just being you know wanting to stay with my mates being sentimental and all that lot and uh you know, and that's what he's, that's how he's always guided me. You know, to play the best football and and going from the the years of when I was playing junior football, taking me to he always wanted me to play for, um, not necessarily just the local teams from where we lived. He wanted me to play for teams that were sort of going somewhere and had a bit of, um, you know, uh, influence and direction. And you know, they had good coaches and and he was prepared to take me anywhere, which he did. I remember training at. From under 13s to under 16s, we used to train over in Aston, um, yeah. and I was living in Solihull at the time. And uh, you know, every Friday night and then Sundays, taking me over, picking me, picking me up, making sure I went there. Um, you know, and it's it's those sort of values which uh, sort of stay with you and make you a better person. You think in some ways? I mean, obviously, you started more green in about sort of 24, 25, around that kind of age. It's kind of does it? I was a bit of a late. I mean, I've I've, I've been. I'm ashamed of watching YouTube videos of the previous interview you had, and you've said that obviously you're late, you're late into the game. But does it kind of make you feel like um, you appreciate it more when you when you come into it later? I mean, I look, I think of other other players in those in those days, like Ian Wright, for example, who played yeah. Sunday League football. He became, you know, obviously the, the player he was, which was a fantastic striker. I mean, from your experience, David, I mean, obviously when you've made that step up, obviously later into Coventry, I mean that. Did you feel like you had to really catch up quickly and learn the game quickly? You know, playing. Um, um, I, I'm not sure about catching up because um, obviously I, I, you know, I was 19 uh, when I signed for More Green, and then I was 24. Well, yeah, signed for More Green when I was 19, and then I signed for More Green, signed for Coventry City when I was 24. So yeah. those five, those those four or five seasons I had, I probably played because I used to play Sundays as well. Probably played around about you know 800 games. Uh, up to that yeah. period, and um, it—that's—that's it, that's what mould you. And they used to play. There used to be like ex-professionals would come and play, and you—you you would learn off them. I think the biggest thing when I signed at 24 was, you know, someone Terry Butcher was was the manager at the time, and he he was came and watched me. Barry Powell was a, was just coming to the end of his sort of last um, spell in non-league, and um, his connection with Coventry City and Terry Butcher and he got him to come down and watch a game and then I got invited in, into a trial and we played at Old Trafford and you know and, and that's how what for me coming into it then when I when I joined when I was 24 it was the fitness that even though I was playing twice a week and training you know or playing on a Tuesday or Thursday that training every single day and then you know I was playing reserves football for the first six months that that was the biggest challenge you know getting diet right it's um, you know that that physical side of it, and and look, luckily for me that um, Coventry City had got quite a good reputation of picking players up from non-league. So around that era, they had uh, Tim Clark was a goalkeeper who left just before I got there. Uh, Sean Flynn um, and Andy Pearce had been picked up from Hells Owen, and uh, you know I'd been playing against them, you know, sort of the season or two before more green against Hells Owen. So um, I think they were not Paul Furlong. Uh, was signed from Enfield, um, yeah. so they, you know, whether it was money or not, I don't know. But they had a they had a way of looking for for players that could probably, you know, step up with the right uh, training and development. Yeah, they they seemed to have a good scouting system, didn't they? Back then, um, I know when Bobby Gould came in as well, he he picked up a lot of bargains, didn't he? A 
along the yeah. way. Yeah, I remember, uh, uh, I think Phil Babb, uh, he picked up for half a million from Millwall. Uh, John Williams, from, from who was a non-league uh, player yeah. as well, um, he was at Swansea at the time, picked him up um, and, you know, and that's what sometimes if, you, if the budget's not massive, you've got to try and pick up a few little gems from around. And I think if you go over the years now, you, you see the players that, you know, Varda, you know, you got the, you know, who stepped back into non-league because, as I was saying before, you know, at 18, 19, whether, you know, you're making that decision whether they're going to be, you know, professional players or not, sometimes it takes that little bit of a kick up the backside, go and play non-league for a little bit, step back to step forward again. And, uh, you know, there's no end of... Um, examples of where players have, have have gone back out the game as such, and then and then come back in, and it's just down to, you know, whether they mature differently, whether their attitudes changed, whether they've not appreciated. It, it, who knows what the, the the secret is? But sometimes that that's that's the pathway. It's not always yes, academy, uh, youth team, under 23s first team, you know, and um, you know all players are, I think, are pretty resilient, especially especially the ones that do play professionally. Because you've got to accept those knockbacks. It could be injuries. It could be being dropped. It could be dropping to a lower league team. It's how you respond to that and how you you come back for the better of it and learn from it. Or you can feel sorry for yourself and you end up going down the leagues and you you just you know be one of those people that go, oh yeah, I, I could have been, I could have played for Coventry. Um, well, well, why didn't you? Oh well, I, I don't know really. <laughs> you see, was, was there any players that stood out for you that didn't quite make it that you thought well? Uh... How how didn't he make it? He was a fantastic player, you know. Yeah, I think um, it, looking at Coventry City, I always thought Tony Sheridan. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he had a little taste of it. I mean, he, he had that sort of rebellious side of it as a as a youth team player and came into the first team and did well. Um, but he was the most talented player. You know, he, he was likened to Liam Brady. Um, mm. You know, and he just never. Never quite got to that the, the the higher reaches of where we should have done really after getting that initial break in. And Bobby Gould showed a lot of faith and tried to turn him round. And you know, and it has gone on and he's he's had a very good career in management and playing in Ireland. But I just yeah. think you know, with he he was a talented player. I I, I class myself as I was a hard worker. Um, I could I could if if you told me to head it I'd head it if you told me to kick it I'd kick it if you told me to run through a brick wall that's what I would do that was my all players all professional players should be able to run around a pitch for ninety minutes and there's no you know you see it more now in teams working um, with, you know with high presses and working from the front and you see that the modern managers want players that can do both ways whereas in my era it was probably well if you're scoring fifteen goals you know a year fifteen twenty goals we're not bothered whether he tracks back or not. And I think that's where the games come on. Um, but the minimum is the, uh, like I've said before, the application and attitude um, are far better, not far better. Working in tandem with ability, if you've got the other two, then you, you'll, you'll fulfil your potential. And talking about players who don't fulfil it is because their application and attitude doesn't ma- hasn't matched their talent. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point now about. You, know, you look at players today about the fact that sometimes it's easy to say, well, you know, you play for the academy sides of the top sides. But, you know, I think when you play at the lower league levels, it, you, you become, become more humble and you start to sort of understand what it takes to become, you know, that player. I mean, obviously, you know, David Beckham was an example of that, someone who went to Preston or Bend um, for Manchester United and then he came back to Man United and the rest is history sort of thing. And I think, 
um, it's 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 a big thing. I think it's it's easy to sort of say, well, you know, we're going to play for under twenty three football, but you don't really always learn from that, do you? Really, because it's not proper men's football where it's you know you, you might have to take a challenge and, and take a hit every now and again. And uh, you know, from your point of view, I mean, coming up from you know, joining joining Coventry City from from Moorheath, I mean, in terms of as you say, you you mentioned before about the coaching about you know how quickly you had to learn. I mean. How big a step up was it for you, sort of coming into Coventry City? It must be a huge step up, and obviously, you made your debut against Norwich City, I think, in '92 or '93 in the FA Cup. Um, what was that like? You know, from your point of view, your debut. How how was you feeling ahead of that game? Quite nervous? Was you excited? Or the, the, the story around that, because that's about 12 months after I um, signed. So um, obviously, um, Terry Butcher got the sack. Don Howard come in as. Uh, interim manager till the end of the season he then left and then Bobby took over in that in that summer uh, with um, uh, Phil Neal I think it was um, so le- leading up to that to that game um, we played a reserve game on the on the on the Monday I think it was or the Tuesday yeah cause that was a Wednesday night and uh, we got we got hammered in the reserves and we got the, the Matt Gaffer came in afterwards and absolutely, you know, berated us. You know, particularly me, Pete Billing, who was playing alongside me at the time, and um, and Pete Billing sort of read the script because he was sort of he was he was uh, sort of just falling out of favour a little bit, and uh, he sort of read the script that they were looking for players to travel to Norwich because we were playing the double header because we played them on the Wednesday and then we played them on the Sunday, so we were staying down for four, you know, the three nights, four night, four days, three nights. And um, so when we're getting ready, I think um, obviously someone had got wind that they needed a couple of bodies to travel. And he then had a uh, miraculous calf injury. Um, so, you know, they're looking around, well, who else can go? Bear, bearing in mind, they've just been hammering us, telling us how bad we played in the reserve mm-hmm. game. And then uh, they're looking for bodies. And I think um, Chris, me and Chris Greenman um, were then, you know, we were sort of the reserve team players, which had been in and around the squad but not made any debuts or anything like that. And then we just got pulled along um, just to make the numbers up, I think. And then um, uh, luckily I got, uh, we lost, we lost the FA Cup 1-0 um, and Lloyd McGrath came off just before the end of the, the end of the game. And I, I went on for about two minutes. So that was my uh, debut in the FA Cup um, uh, uh, then. So, but on the Saturday, he, he, Bobby was always trying to get reactions out of players. So Andy Pearce, ironically who I was rooming with he was sent off in that game and he decided to make him the scapegoat and he dropped him for the Saturday game uh, we're at home to, away to Norwich and put me in and we were rooming together so that was that was a little bit a little bit awkward yeah, but um, I didn't know who I don't know who got told first it was like you know obviously I was excited you know ringing home saying look I'm making my debut tomorrow you know, make your way down to Norwich and then, you know, he's probably lying on his bed thinking, well, either I've just been dropped or I'm about to get dropped. <laughs> so uh, that was that was a weird one. But um, yeah, the, the, my, my debut was, was, was great. Great experience. Nervous. Uh, I always had nerves before any game I played. I think nerves just, for me, just kept me uh, focused a little bit more. Um, and we managed to, I think we drew 1-1 um, at, at, on the Saturday. Uh, Mick Quinn had uh, got a goal for us, and uh, I played. I had a good game playing against Chris Sutton that day. Um, 
and yeah, I think I went on then to play about. Well, I was, I was on the I was on the subs bench more more or less, but I think I played about 12, 12 times the, for the remainder of that season. Did they have um, a certain Mark Robbins playing for Norwich in that thing? Or was he not playing around that time? I can't remember. I can't remember. I did play against Mark in, uh, and again, it's I mean, you know, I've been talking thirty odd years ago now, um, yeah. and I remember playing against Mark and Dion Dublin together. So that must have been around about 93, 94. and he was in a reserve team game, um, yeah. and that, so I, I have I, we have chatted about it. Funnily enough, uh, I think it was it must have been either his last. You know when he was leaving Man United and playing in the reserves, but um, yeah, we have we have played against him. <laughs> Did you? Um, you scored five goals at Coventry City over, over the games you played. Do you have a goal? Is there a goal you remember? I, I did actually go on YouTube. I saw it. I saw you score a great header against West Ham against the bottom corner of the net. What was your dare I say your favourite Coventry City goal from from the, um, the five that you scored? I think they were all headers as well, or or a head and a shoulder, which is the one at Tottenham. Or no, one against Tottenham in the cup. Um, yeah. I think the first one. Um, it, it'd been quite a funny summer. Um, Phil Neal was was it, had been in charge uh, after Bobby had dropped, resigned the season before, and I hadn't got a look in with Phil. Um, you know, I'd been on the bench, kneeling around the squad with with Bobby, but when Phil came in, that sort of ninety three, ninety four season. I think it was. I didn't really, you know, didn't get anywhere near it. Then the start of the next season, 94, 95, um, we lot, our centre-halves all got sold. <laughs> so uh, I was out of contract. Um, I was on a week-to-week. Um, we'd sold Phil Babb. Uh, we'd sold Peter, Peter Atherton. And I think Andy Pearce had already left up to them. So it was quite a strong position for me because about a couple of weeks before the season started, they didn't have any centre-halves and I was out of contract. So... Um, Phil, I remember Phil Neal sort of coming to me. He goes, "Oh, you know, we want you to, you know, um, be our starting centre half for the, for the for the season." And it was like, "Oh, great!" But you know, I could, you know, I'm on a week to week. If if someone else comes in for me, then I've got to consider my my future. And uh, we, yeah. we worked out another two year deal. Um, but it was uh, I, I, I played a <laughs> played a little bit of uh, not not didn't lie to him, but I, I'd said um, Joe Kinnear. I had met Joe Kinnear, who was manager at Wimbledon at the time. I had met him at Watford Services, so I just um, just have a chat about you know you know possibly going down to Wimbledon, and I think Andy Pearce had just gone there as well the season before. So um, so I just implied that he was very interested in me, and then all of a sudden they were. Um, rushing to get a you know a deal into me before the season started, so I think you just got to play the play the game a little bit. You got to think of your own security as well. Um, I spent the whole pre-season <clears throat> um, on a week to week, you know, from the from June the thirtieth right up to when we started. So I was playing a bit of a, a gamble myself, but you know you have to you have to sort of look after yourselves, and make sure it's it's right for you. Um, and so go back to the goal. So on that first game of the season. Um, we played, oh God, it might have been Wimbledon, you know. I think it was actually. We went 1 0 yeah. down. And uh, Steve Morgan, um, I always remember putting a left foot, a left foot cross um, from just inside their half and um, put it onto about, I want to say, 18 yards out, but it was probably a little bit closer. And just diving header into the goal, and we got a 1 1 draw. And, um, you know, that just, it sort of, you know, it. I sort of arrived with that goal and, you know, everything that had gone on and been out of contract and, you know, and, and repaying the faith that Phil had, 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 
instilled in me. And and I, I went on then to not miss a game. I think for the, the up to uh, just after Christmas, and then uh, then I had a hernia operation. I mean, actually I actually had two, but they only repaired one at a time, so I missed the next six months of that season. But I played in more, in every single game. Um, I think that's ninety four ninety five. That was. Yeah. You you mentioned a few managers there, Dave, that you played under, Donnell, Terry Butcher. Um, who was the best manager you played under? Do you think? Um, Phil, Phil was was very good, and he gave me a chance. So you 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 obviously gravitate towards. I mean, Bob, Bobby gave me my debut, but I don't think he really rated me. He knew I'd I'd I'd, I'd go through anything, but he, he you know he just I don't know just wasn't quite there. He gave me like I say, I played about 12, 12 games under under Bob, um, yeah. and then Phil gave him the chance, but the. I think the best best combination of managers and and was Ron Atkinson and Gordon Strachan. Yeah. I think the way they those two worked together um, was, was was brilliant. And they, you know, uh, Big Ron was very much a man manager. Um, knew what's yeah, and, and Gordon was just coming into that, still playing, going into the coaching side of it. Had that desire, that passion, and the two married together. Eventually, obviously, pulled them apart because Gordon wanted to go one way, and and Ron was still that sort of um, that that manager, sort of you know a, the old school type manager, if that that's the right word. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. the, t- the two of them were great, and you know, we, Ron had a way of, of 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 being. He was the best man manager out of all the managers I'd had. Of of saying not just about me, but the way he spoke to other players, the way um, he would have a go at some players. He, Put his arm around others. We would have a, a beer before uh, an evening match. Um, just, just little things. I don't mean about having alcohol all the time, but um, just a way of relaxing us. Um, you know, before a game. I mean, the, when we had the beer, it was um, uh, a fire alarm had gone off in the hotel when we were due to play West Brom, uh, due to play West Ham away, and you know we were up about one o'clock. And as we all came in. So he just, you know, put 15 bottles of Budweiser and said, look, have a drink and then get yourselves off to bed. And it's just little things like that. No. Yeah, fantastic. I remember him having a go. I don't know if you remember this. Um, he had a go at Richard Keyes on live on the yeah. telly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. About berating his players. He said, don't you dare you know, sort of berate my players. How dare you sort of thing. I think Richard Keyes was a bit shocked. Yeah, behind, behind closed doors, he would hammer us. But in front of the camera and in the press, he would defend us. And that's and that's what we liked. I mean, Kevin Richardson was a he bought you know from from Villa, and um, he was sort of captain, and he, he was he was he was great. Sorry, yeah, fantastic he was, Kevin Richardson. He yeah, yeah. Did a great job, didn't he? Yeah, and uh, he certainly knew his players, Big Ron, and, and that was a good thing. He had a lot of connections, didn't he? And yeah, yeah. He, he seemed to work wonders by bringing a, a lot of good quality players in. Yeah, definitely. I saw him the other week, actually. <laughs> Yeah, he was uh, he was good. He was good. Yeah, yeah. This is going back quite a few years ago. I remember a game where we played a friendly at St Albans City. This is going back quite a few years ago, and I remember Gordon Strachan. When the game stopped for an injury, Gordon Strachan was literally. I think Big Rob was mad back then, but he literally stopped play and literally he was literally. You'd see him go to like three or four different players, and he was literally just coaching as if he was the manager, and he was. You could Mm. see there was something about like. The thing was tracking for me. My my perception was, the guy just was. He knew the game inside out. There was something about him. He was quite a clever guy. He, he had a very good football brain, which he 
you go along with that, Dave? Would you say Strafford was just a, a very clever guy? For, he know? was, yeah. He was. I mean, when he came to us, he was the fittest, which is annoying. Um, he's still, he he still playing in his forties, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was, play, he was player coach, and he was. He was. Yeah. He was as fit, if not fitter, than than us. And uh, he was so driven and competitive, and you know, you, you couldn't have a before we big run. Um, we'd have the Friday five aside before we played Saturdays, and um, you know he, he was commenting it, commentating on the Champions League at that time as well. And whichever player had done well, I, I always remember him. It, if you had big run in your side, you knew you struggled. So he'd have Gordon on one side, big run on the <laughs> other, and big run would come up and he'd go, oh, I'll, "I'll I'll be Del, Del Piero this week," and you know and he'll just go. And it, don't get me wrong, he couldn't he couldn't play. Um, but he'd like to think he could. But if you had if you had big run on your side, you knew you'd, you'd lost and you'd have to do a forfeit. Whereas Gordon was that sort of competitive. You know, he would contest throw-ins, he would, he would contest free kicks or things like that. And it's and I think that shows. And it's he's he's driven that way because he's, you know his days at Aberdeen and then with Man United and then winning the league with Leeds. You know, and he, he was great, Gordon. He was just the two of them at that time gelled. Together, but you could you can see why they parted. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean obviously it was Tracker as well. Obviously, just came from Leeds United. Obviously, they they well, they won the championship a few seasons before that. And obviously, Gary McAllister kind of followed as well. I mean, who would you say for your time at Coventry was the best player you played with? And conversely, when you played with Coventry, which opponent did you sort of think, oh god, I don't want him to play today, kind of thing? Yeah, I think I think the best player, and especially had a, who had an influence on the on the team, uh, was definitely Dion Dublin. Um, Bill Neil picked him up for a couple of million, um, and he. It, it's just people people talk about um, big big players who have influences on on the whole team, and and because of where Dion had come from, and you know he hadn't. <clears throat> He hadn't. He broke his leg, hadn't he, at Man United, and hadn't had as many appearances. But the just stature and the ground that he held when he came, and the way he spoke to us, and the way he gelled us as as, as a side off off the pitch and on it, and um, he was he, he was great. And obviously, he went on to have his probably his better years. Um, that that season, I got injured, and then obviously the next two seasons, when I think he was top goal scorer or joint top goal scorer with with Ian Wright, was on the verge of the '98 England side. But for those two three years that we I was playing with him, um, he was just you know he demonstrated he led on the pitch and he led off it. He was a joint golden boot winner, wasn't he? One season. Yeah, yeah. It was just I think it was just before the '98. Yeah, um, that's right. World Cup. He just missed out, and I think they took Ian Wright. In, instead, yeah. but he'd been the joint goal scorer. Scored uh, some very, very important goals for us, and uh, certainly the battle of relegation, he, he was a big, big player for us. Yeah, and, we, and, and, and I think Gordon, Gordon was um, instrumental in getting Noel Whelan to us as well uh, yeah. from Leeds, um, and, and putting an arm around him as well because he was, he was a little bit wayward. Um, I was about, how did you find Noel Whelan? Because he, he sort of tended to get in a little bit of trouble off the pitch, but yeah, play on it. Honestly, in, in training with his teammates, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, he, he, you, you find out the groups that they go around with, and you know, we used to have good good socials, but he never got into any trouble when when he was with yeah. us. I think he was, might have been a little bit later, but the, my time there, Noel was great. He was, he had a, they called him Snowy because he he just he, he settled everywhere. 
Um, yeah. But Gordon took him under his arm, you know, and um, you know looked after him and tried to guide him. And and uh, he was such such a talented young player as well. And when he came, those next two seasons um, with Dion and, and and Noel Whelan, that that's what enabled us to stay in the Premier League. Um, you know, 90, 94, 95, 95, 96. Yeah, fantastic. I think, I think the other thing with Dion as well is people talk about his obviously we all know his attacking prowess, but also he was a good defender as well. He could also do a job if, if he had a couple of injuries. Yeah. He could also yeah. slot into the back and he'd do a job as well. You know, and that's that's it was, it was just a team plan. And was he would you say, Dave, for you like a, a really good role model for young the younger players coming through the ranks as well? Yeah, definitely. It just it, it he'd been there, done it, and and I think you you look at you know, you look at where you come from. So Dion came from non-league as well. You know, Cambridge yeah. United, I want to say. Um, you know, and went to Man United um, from there. And he, those values and the appreciation, I think, which we touched on earlier, Mark, of appreciating when you come into football what you've had, and um, and you want to work more for it because you know what it's like working. I don't know whether it's nine to five. But I worked in insurance. Um, but you know, having to work full time and then go training or playing, <coughs> you know, to, to then be told you, you know, someone's going to pay you to play and train football, you're like, well, oh, thank you very much. I'll, you know, it's not, it's not about the money, but if someone wants to, you know, you, that's what you're going to do professionally for a living. So it's, it's just a no-brainer. I think you, in my opinion, you, you appreciate from your experiences beforehand. Um, which then leads you to know when you're onto a, a good thing as such. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you about Dublin. I, I mean, he was probably he, he's in my greatest Coventry City eleven because I think the thing with with Dion was, in my opinion, as you say, as you, as you just said, David, he, he was a leader for me, um, and also he was a team player as well. He could play at the back. He was quite, you know, if, if there's a few injuries and he, he needed an emergency centre-half in that, you know, imagine a game, I've seen games before, like 10, last 10, 15 minutes and might have a couple of injuries and, and he'd slot into the back if we're defending a lead. And yeah, I think he was brilliant. Also, I thought Darren Huckabee um, yeah. was a great foil for him because there's a big man, little man for the front. I mean, the only frustration with Huckabee from a personal fan as a fan growing up, I was quite, it's coming my teenage years. I'm just kind of showing my age now a bit. I felt with Huckabee, he was he got caught offside quite often. That's only slight frustration, but he was a great finisher. When once he got into that, you know, that six yard box, obviously we'll never forget that game. Did you play that game, David, against United when we won was it three two with um, Huckabee scoring that, that that last minute so, goal? I can't remember. That was nine, nine, Huckabee signed after. Oh, oh no, I'll just start. I'll just start. He signed in the yeah, sorry the summer when I got injured in '96 in the April. He signed. In that season, so I never, I never played with. Uh, game of '98, I think it was, something like yeah. that. Night yeah. Road, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So, so I remember Glenn Oddle, I think, was England manager, and uh, I think he was, he was on the verge of getting in the England squad then as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he, Darren was, you know, frustrated because he was the quickest thing, you know, on the pitch, and he didn't need that half a yard and was always offside. <laughs> but you know, yeah, that's how they play. You play on the edge. It's those, those top. In lines, probably with VAR now, we'd probably more effective because sometimes he might not have been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Um, I want to change the conversation a little bit, unfortunately, to probably the most of the worst part of your of, of your career. Obviously, that that injury, that terrible um, broken broken leg. Um, 
I guess it's a really obvious question to ask. At, that, at the time of the injuries, in, aside from being a lot of pain, did you kind of know deep down that that might be the end of your footballing career, or would you kind of of the opinion deep down that maybe you could fight back from it and, and, and come back? Um, I think over the years, my probably probably changes my my opinion. That um, I always remember coming off the pitch at Old Trafford, thinking, knowing, saying to Gordon. Strachan thinking I'd just broke my leg at that stage. Uh, I was 28 and, and thinking, you know, I'm not, that's it now. I'm not going to come back. And I remember him saying to me, look, you, you, you're going to be you're going to be fine. Let's just see what happens. And, you know, you're not going to be uh, finished because that was just my opinion of me having a broken leg and not what, what I eventually went through. Um, I think that's just a normal reaction. I think if I, you know, had a yeah. cruciate knee, I mean, I've, I've never had a, done a cruciate or anything, but it's those leg breaks are your worst fears with any footballer it's, it's the, the 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 ankle ligaments breaks it's the the knees you know they're the ones who are the sort of career threatening ones um so it's i i knew when do i know after about three months i knew that i couldn't pick my foot up um because of the infection that i'd caught in the hospital mrsa um Essentially, I'd had a, what they call a hematoma, which is a dead leg. So the muscle that goes on the outside of your, your tibia and fibula, that was hit before. I got hit from one side and, and the other at the same time. So it was a, a two, two, two yeah. forces coming together and then split timing and the leg had nowhere to go except to, except to break. So that initially, before the contact with my bone, it had gone through the muscle. So that in itself imploded. And that's where that was an open wound. And they had to slit down the, the side of that muscle to release the pressure. And that's when the infection got in. And, um, and that's when I got the MRSA. So I had to have my tendons. So if you look at your hand, you've got tendons, same as in your feet. And if you pull them up, that pulls your foot up. Now, I couldn't do that at all. And I couldn't understand why. Um, and I sort of thought, well, if I can't pull my foot up, I can't kick a ball properly. I can't walk properly. I can't run. So that, and that, it wasn't until about six months afterwards when I went to see the orthopedic surgeon because I was under an orth, orthopedic surgeon and a plastic surgeon, and um, and I, know, I knew as soon as I went up there, they it just confirmed what I already knew because I just couldn't lift my foot up on its own. Um, so that's what finished me, not the actual leg break because as you said before bones heal they knit together they i'm told they knit back stronger and it's very rare you're breaking the same place um so it was the other side of it that was uh um had more of an effect um on the outcome really yeah i remember what i remember all those years ago watching the match today and i was just rather really upset it was you know couldn't i just couldn't bear watching it it was just um yeah i mean and yeah I remember, okay. Mark. I was there. I was at the game, and we we couldn't quite see what was going. Obviously, at the time, because we were, I was behind the goal at the game, and um, um, obviously, a lot. We knew it was quite serious, but obviously, we just thought it was a, it was a normal just leg break, and there was a lot of people. And then, then we seen Michael was wouldn't he been sick behind the goal, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I like, said, a little bit more worried about him being sick, I think, than uh, <laughs> what was going on. But, you know, I, I just remember looking up and I could see Dion Dublin and there's a picture. And again, it's probably the picture that I've, is on my memory, not the actual live incidents, but just seeing him with his 
sort of on his on his haunches and then his hands on his head with a going you know absolute shock look on his face and um the next morning so, so the, the, there's a little funny side to this i mean it could have been worse it could have happened at you know in a reserve match with nobody there and no coverage and, and, and nothing from it so um <clears throat> it's a talking point now you know it's it, it's great it, it opened doors for me uh, people come up to me now it used to be people like yourself that say that they were there that day now it's their their kids that are saying oh my dad was there and it's probably get to the stage now where they're going my granddad was, was saying like that so it's uh you know it's it, it's a way of um connecting with with the people of coventry particularly in the job that i do um at the moment but on the way out of old trafford they've got the biggest speed bumps so i was in the back of the uh, ambulance and every single one so bearing in mind my leg had just l-shaped come out and just go ricochet just going up and down over each bump that was that was awful that was um so it's you know little little jokey side on, on the side of it but then they wanted to they wanted to keep me awake to reset it and because we'd had a pre-match meal roughly three hours before they didn't want to give me a full um uh, anesthetic but i said look no i i, I want to you know i'll sign whatever it was i said no just put me under i, I don't want to know and just before they put me put me under, one of the porters had come running down the um, like the aisles where I was being held, and um, United had just scored because we lost one 0 that day, you know, after the delay. And he come running down, jumping up and down and celebrating. I thought, oh great, that's all I need just before I'm going under. But uh, yeah. no, it was uh, you know the, 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 since and looking back, I, I wouldn't have changed the thing. My, my, my career of, you know, whether I'd gone on and, and played more games, who knows what, what, what would have gone on, but I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything now, knowing what happened. If, if someone said to me now, well, if you could have, you know, not played that game and carried on, it's not, that's life. I don't look, I don't, I've never looked back, I always only look forward and there's positives that come out of it. And that's, for me, that's the way I've always approached things, the way I've been brought up. You know, we have not backs, we learn from them and then we plan whatever the recovery is needed or the next step in our development. Yeah. And when you're thinking it, after, it, after all that, did you think, well, what am I going to do now? When you knew you, you weren't going to carry on playing, did you, did you, I suppose a thousand things went through your mind. What am I going to do now? You know, what, what, what am I going to do? I, I, I think, but again, once you've been in football and yeah, you want to stay in football, um, yeah. it's, not, it's not as easy as that but I had the back of, of, of I'd worked you know for eight years in financial services and things like that so I had a sort of career to fall back on and I could have gone back into that if, if I'd wanted and and that's where it wasn't as daunting uh, for me because it's not like I'd never been I'd only ever played football from you know a young age all the way through and not done anything else I know what it's like I know where what um, you know to go back and get a job and things like that so it, that was ne that never um, scared me, but I wanted to use the opportunity to try and stay in football. And you know, when I was in my rehab after my injuries, I started doing my coaching badges. Um, I, I, I was working for the academy. Um, Barry Powell was the head of the community then, and um, I got a, a full time job. Um, you know, coaching in schools and things like that. So all those little things that just connected me to. To keep going on that sort of you know life after football but staying in football yeah yeah that's great yeah i think um you did you had a spell management as well didn't you i think it's solihull 
And, yeah, um, six six years I was a manager for. It was uh, it was, yeah. it was for, 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 it, it was great really because it was it, it come hand in hand. So at Solihull, who I, I played for Solihull when I was sixteen. Um, yeah. My you know I, I lived around the corner from the ground. Uh, my dad was a was a, a assistant manager for, for Solihull Borough as well. And um, so what happened was I was doing my A license in 2000, and uh, the youth uh, we set up a youth team because I needed to coach in an 11 a side team. And um, Paul Dyson was the manager at the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and then they they, they didn't have a, a, a very good spell, and then they asked me after you know doing the job for about six months in the youth team, you know, do you want to step up into the first team? And then it just sort of went from there. Then so. Uh, you know, I had four good, four, four good years, and then I went to, went to Evesham United. Uh, had a couple of years there with them, and then it came to that stage of going. No, do I go into? It wasn't a choice of do I go into. It's what it, it's football back then, and probably a little bit still now. It's it's who you know, not what you know. Um, and an opportunity arose with Sky Blues in the community for me to you know head up the scheme, and. I had to weigh that up, and it could it still allowed me to do the coaching in non-league. Um, I went back to the academy um, a few years after that, but it sort of then you know paved way for the career up to what I'm doing now, really. So it was a decision I had to make. I made it on security for for my for my family then, because you know football there's not there's no security in it. Even if you've got a three-year contract, you can be sat the next week, and no opportunities came along for me to go full-time anywhere. Um, so I, I decided to, you know, do that academy, uh, non-league, and have a, have a full-time job. Yeah. Um, so with regards to the academy, I guess, um, I guess with managers, you just, just said there, management is it's like there's just no security because you you could, you know, it's, it's hard to find work. Um, how much do you sort of take to the the job, the academy? Did you enjoy it as soon as you got offered the job? Was it everything you wanted it to be when you when you first took it i think it was so, so i had a little bit more security behind me because you know we, we, the, the game we had the benefit game we had in uh, 1997 meant because i had two years of rehab um getting through the operations you know I had 24 operations all, all in all so i didn't have to rush into it so using those two years even though my contract finished um sort of at the end of the the following season the, the club gave me an extension and then we had the game against um united it then gave me you know the time to decide what i wanted to do and the pfa were great um i wanted to go with my coaching the academy at coventry was just starting up the opportunity to work in the schools full time in the daytime came along perfectly so it just it all it all married up nicely into a, you know a little of, of where I was, I was going to go after, um, after football, and um, and then the opportunities that came in two thousand, and then doing my A license, and uh, and that it just it just kept me within, and and it, it was great to go back into the um, you know into the community because the Cov fans had showed great support. Um, you know, I've still got in my my garage. I've got you know thousands and thousands of letters and little trophies and little gifts and, and things which it, you know people had sent in for me so it was a way of you know giving a little bit back you know to the community as well you know so it was it just it it, it, it as i say it, it couldn't have happened better any other way to up leading up to what i'm doing now 
Yeah, I think I think also being an ex player as well, you can sort of pass your experience and your wisdom to, to the next generation yeah, of, yeah. of players coming through as well, which is uh, which is great. Um, okay, let's um, just going to look at um, the current Coventry City side under Mark Robbins. Um, have you have you been sort of, sort of seeing a lot of the games this season? And and overall, it's been I think it's been a a, a, a a really good season overall. I mean, obviously the expectations were quite high. Obviously, at the start of the season, people thought well, this may be our season. It might still be, but I think overall, Mark Robbins, the job he's done overall has just been absolutely fantastic, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think you go back to when he first came. Just in, was it in the March, April? Um, um, was it when we were sort of already relegated to, to League Two? And I thought at the time, how, why is Mark Robbins? come to Coventry City when we're, yes, we had the Checker Trade Trophy to, to, to play for, but why, why is he coming? What, what's he been told? What's, what's he been, how has he been supported to convince him for a team that's already relegated and going into League Two? Um, and I just thought he's, he's been sold something here. He's been sold at, you know, some sort of, not, not a dream as such, but, you know, a, a, a progression of where they were going to have a commitment from, from the club to, you know, sort of rebuild. And I think it started obviously with the, you know the checker trade winning that um you know getting the next next year going back um um in the playoffs you know into league league one um winning league one um you know to get promoted to the championship and it, it so i think it started then the, the, there was a there was a belief in in mark and it was his second spell with us obviously and um i think that i think his biggest achievement was keeping us in the championship and probably our our form at the end because we, you know, let's, let's face it, when we had that double header against Rotherham, uh, when they had all those games in hand, and I think, I can't yeah. remember, if we, I seem to think we might have won 4-1 quite convincingly, and all of a sudden, that got us out of not being in the relegation, and then we, we went on a good run, and we ended up where we were, was it 18th, 16th, 18th, something like that, and mm. I think that was, I think that flattered us a little bit from where we actually were, um, but it geared us up for this year. And, and for me, I, I, I was thinking, you know, I'd settle for where we finished the previous year because, you know, still building, we're still having that, that 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 model that the club have of having to sell somebody, whether a youth team player or you know a player that's done well the year before. That's very much in our in our model. We're still playing, you know, we're coming back to the Rico, uh, Rico CBS. Um, <laughs> so I think. I think it was just all, all geared up for that and you know the, the crowds have been absolutely fantastic I think averaging over 20,000 um, but uh, you know but I've said this all the way along I, I I don't think we'll get in the playoffs I don't think we're ready I think if he if he did get us into that it'd be an absolute miracle based on the on the budget and the squad that that we've had um, for me it, it was about you know looking to improve a little bit where we finished last year, but, you know, not getting dragged into it. I think he's done exactly that. You know, the, you look at the last few games, um, I think other than us beating Sheffield United, we lost, you know, the couple before it and the one after it. And I think yeah. that probably puts us into that group of round about, you know, 10th to 14th, which is where I think we'll, we'll, we'll finish, if I'm honest. And that's not, you know, being negative in any way. I just think it's probably a, a, a realistic way of, of where we're going to finish and you know you look at the the players that have come along and the experiences i mean for me you know obviously uh Hamo and um o'hare you know get all the sort of plaudits and and new careers but for, for me dom Hyam, absolute and might be yeah. maybe in the center half but 
you know, the way he's come on and, and continued to keep stepping up is is, is, is unbelievable. Because he's been with us all the way since League Two, hasn't he? He's come all the way through. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah, and I might have thought at the time, well, you know, him and him and him and Fads probably championship might be a little one step too far. You know, it's the first year to get through, but Dom just gone. It's just gone. You know, he looks so comfortable and he's quick and he's, he's still young as well. I think he's only what twenty four now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's only yeah. young now. And I think the general in Mark agree with this. I mean, we all think mm. on our pod like we probably you know we're going to finish around what you just said around the mid table. I think we probably. You know, it'd be nice if we do get there. Um, but I think being realistic, you know, we're probably just, just outside that top six, unfortunately. Uh, we, we always look back at games we should have won and yeah. decisions didn't go our way. Uh, and, and all teams have, <laughs> don't they? But, look, look how many times we've scored in the 90-plus minutes. And that's, that's, <laughs> that tells you. I mean, you go back to Forest right at the very beginning. <laughs> that yeah. tells you for me. So there's the swings and roundabouts in everything. You know, exactly. it, it leads himself yeah, Forest now they've just turned they've got a new manager there and they're up there now as well, haven't they? They've turned their, yeah. season, their season around completely. So we're all quite realistic. I mean, we you know, we all think I think we all agree, sort of think be nice to get there, but I think we'll just maybe just uh, a little bit too far this year and maybe we can go on for, till next year, Mark. Yeah. I think we we Yeah, I think it's just building building, you know it, it's not a you know it's the hardest league to get out of. Everyone, yeah. everyone knows that. You look at the budgets of the teams that come down. It's the same teams that are in and around it and going back up. You look at you look at Fulham. You look at Bournemouth. You know, you know West Brom. Who, you know, you look at yeah, Norwich are coming back again, aren't they? Norwich will be yeah. down again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, there's a reason why they 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 bounce back up because of that. That budget is a massive gulf, and you know the parachute payments and all stuff like that. So anyone that can get into that and get into a you know. A, a playoff in and around the playoffs because it becomes a cup game then and anything yeah. can happen on the day so I think for us it's about um, continuing to build a little bit more strength in in depth you know we we, we know our, our management setup's great we could just do with a few more you know ex- experienced championship players you know to add, add to the squad yeah I agree yeah, yeah. I think I think I mean I've watched quite a lot of the game this season at home particularly I think my frustration it's been two thirds of the pitch we've played really well, and I just think it's been a lot of games where we miss a lot of chances. We don't take enough of our chances, but um, I feel like we need about four or five chances to get that one goal. And I think that's the difference. It's, I mean, I look at games this season, QPR at home, we're obviously just above us in the league, and really yeah. we batted we battered them on the day. But the reason why QPR won the game was they took their opportunities. They, they only had a couple of two or three chances. But they, they score from them, and that's the difference. I think I think if there's something we need to improve on going into next season, I think it's just been a bit more ruthless in front of goal. Yeah. Um, but I think that, goals from outside the pitch I, well. I, I agree with you, Mark, but that comes at a cost. So when you're talking about taking your chances, that's what your money pays for. That's when you're, you know, we're looking at, you know, your careers at the moment, and you look at the Derby game the other week when he came on second half, he had two great chances going yeah. through. That is the difference. You look at um, the guy at Fulham. Um, just, yeah. That, that's that's that's. And I know he's the one ex, ex, extreme of it, but that's the quality that will get you promoted. It's those little half chances, those, or even those ones where it's not not half chance. It's a it's a it's a solid one on one, and it and it goes in. 
yeah. you know, we've had we've had lots of games where we've had loads of possession and not quite, you know, clinical enough in there. But that's what that's what I'm saying. Where we need as a as a team is that investment in quality, you know, improving quality. And at the moment, we're having to take a little bit of risk and so on. We don't know whether he's, he can do it yet, and we're, we're going to hope that he, he can. Obviously, there's a lot more thought goes into it in the recruitment and things like that. But it comes down to the, you know what what you can offer players and you know the fact that we're now the way we play the way Mark gets us playing and consistently playing and doesn't change that and I think is is great and uh, I think the, the the football we play whether we're losing um, drawing or, or winning it, it's it's good to watch you know it's you know we want to watch us winning every time but the, the style of football that we're trying to play. Um, you know, I don't think any of the fans can come away and complain and goes, oh, you know, I can't believe it. You know, the short-sighted ones will because it'll, it'll always be results-driven. Um, yeah. But the style of football we're trying to play and try to play football in a high press and all stuff like that, it's it's, it's how the game should be. It's the, it's the way the direction of the game is. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go forward more doing that way. And as soon as we can get, you know, and the, the crowd's coming back this year, um, you know, you got to look at budgets for next year, and you're thinking. I always remember, uh, I think it was Tim Fisher. You know, they were looking at crowds of twelve thousand um, on their um, to, to enable their that existing budget. Then, yeah. you know, you think now we're getting twenty thousand. So, for this year, what can what what's that going to bring next year? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we sold yeah. what ten eleven thousand season tickets, didn't we, last season? So, hopefully, the, the you know CC will back us. Uh, or back Mark Robbins and uh, for next season. Um, we're all hoping that. Um, yeah. To be fair, they have, you know, backed him so far. So we'll see. What I, I just think you, you look at the, the the last four years. That that, t- that tells you everything. Forget anything from the past. The last four years since appointing Mark Robbins, um, check a trade, and to where we are now, where you know we're, we're, we were we were hoping that we would get. Um, you know, a playoff place, and that could still be things. Um, you know, but looking looking back, I think we'll we'll be round about where we are, twelfth, fourteenth. You still see many academy players of late. I mean, we've got some exciting youngsters coming through: Tavares, Josh, Josh Eccles. Is anybody that takes takes your eye? I've not. Um, we we wouldn't feed a teams that go into the academy setup, so we yeah. see those players come. I don't see the younger ones um, as much anymore. But um, obviously, you know, I've, I've watched the twenty threes when they when they when they play at, at at home at the at the CBS. You know, I pop out in my lunch hour and you know sit in the stands and watching. But I think Tavares looks you know very exciting player, and you know that they're just holding him holding him back and. I don't mean holding him back in a negative way. I think that there's slowly, you know, in, increasing his game time and uh, the opportunities. The goal he came on in his debut was, you know, absolutely fantastic. And uh, got pace, hasn't he? And yeah, yeah. And you know, you, you just you just got to nurture them. I mean, you, you've got good, experienced players, you know, in and around. He, he'll be training in and around those players. You know, um, what's his name from uh, Derby? Um, oh God. Wag, Waghorn, um, you know, Waghorn. the experience he'll get from having little chats to him and playing off him in training and things like that. It'll just, you know, you know, more often we've talked about it earlier, more often we pace, it's about getting them to stay on side and not having to try and nick that half yard. It's it's those little words that they'll have in training which will help him with that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but I, I think, 
I think the uh, he's probably our. If you think about where, if you go back to our sort of big name ones who we've sold on, you know, your Wilsons and your uh, Madisons, yeah. you know, I haven't seen one of those, you know, of, of, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, but probably Tavares is probably the, uh, you know, the most optimistic we've got with him, you know, pushing on. Josh Josh Eccles, Eccles looks quite good, quite handy. Uh, he's had a few problems injury-wise as well, though, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, once he gets fully fit, I think we might see a bit more of him. Yeah. I think it's just unfortunate the way Josh plays. And I know he can flit about a little bit. You, we've got probably, you know, good strength in depth, you know, in and across... <coughs> across those areas so that's probably he finds it harder to you know to come and get starting you know he's started a few games hasn't he but you know if you think about you know you got Alan, Hamer, you know Shipley, O'Hare, Liam you know trying to get through into that is tough you know the bid well as well it's you know if anything we've we've got a cluster of midfield midfielders that can play you know um, across a, a few of those areas, I quite liked. Uh, where did I go? Um, when uh, uh, what's the left bats now? I can never put out Matson. Oh yeah. When he played a little bit further forward and inside. Um, yeah. Ten sort of position. Yeah, he played, he played like left of a, th- of a three, and uh, he was getting forwards, and um, that, that, that excited me. You know. Um, if we could have him for another year, I think that would be because uh, he was a, a little bit potential was there when he first came in. You know, he was very, very quick, attack minded. But I think he's learned an awful lot, and he's got a lot more consistency to his game now. And uh, you can see his development, which is why he comes on loan to Championship sides because that's exactly how they they want to progress. Well, yeah, I mean they've got plenty of players out on loan, Chelsea, haven't they? They're, yeah, they're not stupid. They buy them all up. They know their potential. And then they send them out on loan to, to, to make them better players. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, Matt will be a better player, and and he's getting the experience by playing, you know, again in real games, if you like, rather than yeah. twenty three games. Definitely playing against men as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's Matt's better position now, actually going forward. Because I remember that goal with Bristol City, and I think he shot Aaron into the bottom corner. I, I, I actually don't. I think he's got a lot to do. I think he's, he needs to work more in his defensive game from the games I've seen him. But going forward, I think he's really good. I think he's got a lot of talent, and I think he's definitely a good player future. But I'm, I'm of the opinion I don't know whether we will sign him next season. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Um, are there any areas, David? Probably last question. Um, you know, you think that Mark Robbins will look to strengthen in the summer if 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 we if we don't get promoted, which is probably the most likely scenario. I think it'll depend on what happens with two of our midfielders. Um, yeah. I think we need another centre half. Yeah, um, I like the goalkeeper. Um, I would say I'd say one one down the middle, one you know another another forward. Um, you know we've got Eucharist, but I think he. I think we just need someone. Probably, I think we've talked about, you know, sort of big man, little man. Um, and, you know, Tavares could be the answer. But I think we need someone, you know, another goal scorer of a different way that that he plays. Um, Waggon, you know, I think great experience and his work rate's great and will learn from me. But I don't think, um, 
I don't think he's the future. If that if that makes that makes sense. I think this is you know when he came to us from Derby and he's done he's done great for us. But I think you know if we can have someone that's going to score, you know, someone play off Eucharist um, and it's you know where they're getting like twenty you know partnership of 20, 30, 35 goals because that's where what we're going to need to 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 go on to that next level. Yeah, I mean it's just a shame Godden Godden was out injured for a lot of the season. But I just think he would. Definitely have hit that twenty goal mark, I think. Yeah, I don't, and you forget about Matty. So you know, you just see him coming back over the last few weeks, and and he he could be that that person. Because, but again, as we were talking about, we you know with Dom, you know, we got him from Peterborough. You know, he's can he go all the way? Is he a potential, you know, um, Premiership player playing in the Championship side? You know, and that's yeah. that's the next level. Yeah, I think. Um, I think, I think Gordon was our, probably our best finisher, I'd said. Yeah. I think he's, um, I've seen him play like lower league football. He played for a spell at Stevens as well. I remember seeing a couple of games as well. The way he took the goals, you could see that there's a confidence about him in front of goal. You know, he's, I think, I think our best finisher, I think, I think Jokerez for me has done really well, um, but probably needs to work the improved his finishing um, in the final thirds. But it's, as you alluded to earlier, Dave, I think he missed. He missed a couple of one-on-ones against Derby, which which proved kind of well. It would have, would have, there's a difference between getting three points and that one point, or yeah. because it could have been could have been zero points when Derby hit the woodwork in the last minute or so of the game. Um, but overall, I'm I'm really happy this season. I, I totally agree with what you say. The football has been so entertaining to watch, and it's been a pleasure to watch the games. And you know, um, as a season ticket holder, I have to I have to commend the players. But I think the other point I want to raise as well is. I think the team spirit is also really good. You know, when you look at the way when we win games, everyone's together, and, it, and it's the camaraderie of the players seem really good as well. And it, it seems like that's one of the other things I think Robbins and, and ADB Lash have done well is still that that really strong team ethic, that camaraderie. And with that, you've always got a chance, haven't you? You always can win games. You look at the games we won this season. We've been top of the league, Fulham four-one. You know, no one would have believed that. All right, we've had some disappointing results, but. Overall, it's been brilliant, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, th- I think that belief has been built, you know, over four years. Players have come in; they've built into it. It's, it's how it's set up by Mark and and AD, and you know, you fit into it, or you, or you, or you're away, you know. And it's it's the same thing as the way we play the football as well. You've either got to play the way we are, or we're not going to accept a change. You could say that sometimes we might need a, you know, Plan B or Plan C, but. You know, it's 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 when and where in the games, and you know, it's it's that game management, and uh, you know, I, I I think you look at the, the the connection between the fans and the players is is absolutely great, and and that comes from characters, and that comes from, you know, not not losing every week, but you know, it, you're still not being dismissive to the to the supporters. Um, I think um, they're so loyal. The Cov fans are, and they they don't need much to to make a hero of. Uh, of, of somebody that wants to to step up. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's one more question. I was going to take you back to that benefit game against Man United. It was a fantastic lineup you had. Uh, did you get any of the? Sh- did you keep all the shirts from the players? Cantona, for example. Um, wasn't it? So, so yeah, one of one of the committee they went in and asked for a shirt, and it 
at the time we didn't know it was Cantona's last game, so um, he came back and he, and to be honest, it, 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 was, it was my uncle, and uh, he came back and he goes, oh, I've got the number seven shirt. He goes, oh, he signed it. I said, well, I don't know who it is, um, and then we're looking at it and going, well, that's Cantona, and he's he signed it, and you know, obviously when he announced his retirement afterwards, it was um, it, it came on. So uh, I've, I've still got that shirt, um, but George Best was there on the day. He didn't. We had a little um, sort of celebrity game beforehand and um but george, george came along and you know he, he signed a few we had some um like polo shirts uh, of the game and he i was looking through my stuff on i think it was during covid and and i'd just come across them i mean it was you know i noticed he'd signed a few of these 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 polo shirts and you know just you know obviously god rest him now but you know he, he just it, the whole the whole day and you know a night um and just how it all worked out that game was absolutely brilliant you know staying up against tottenham on the saturday um yeah. queuing up and selling out before the game on the friday you know george best being there the the squad that alex ferguson had, had brought down yeah, um, to, you know the you know the commitment of big ron and and gordon of putting it on and 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 the Fans for turning up and 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 just giving us all a, a great a great night and a great send off. And how was Gaza? Oh, of course, yeah, I forgot about Gaza. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Gaza, Les Ferdinands. You know, they were they were just you know to come to come and play and put on a shirt and you know Gaza at the time I think was trying to get on the end of um, trying to get into maybe the Euros. I think was just yeah. No, not Euros. Ninety seven wasn't it? So he was trying to get into the World Cup squad, wasn't well, it? Um, playing games and and, that. and and he was it was great. He's I've got a, a signed cov shirt from 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 him in there. The shirt he played in, and he brought me down a, a Ranger shirt as well, um, oh, wow. signed by him. And you know that's just that's just Gaza all over. And you know, good. I've seen him tell you the, the weekend that he played in a testimonial game uh, for Rangers up there, and he and they, he scored. Oh wow! They played at the Legends game, Rangers. Yeah, and Gaza was there. And uh, I was thinking back to I thought, but yeah, last time I seen Gaza was obviously uh, seen him in action in your um, testament. I think it's the only time ever I'm going to ever see that many top quality players like of that standard in a cop shirt. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a great night, and the uh, um, the, the, the penalty. If there's a little story behind the penalty, that was uh, sort of orchestrated by uh, Gary Neville. Uh, I'd had an agreement with Schmeichel that, because obviously it was only just a year afterwards and I couldn't, obviously I didn't play in it, but I could hardly run. And I, yeah. I, I was taking the penalty with my left foot. Um, so I said to Schmeichel, right, you go to your, your right, I'll go to the left. That way it goes in. So anyway, <laughs> so we did it, so we arranged that and then um, got the penalty, came on the pitch, looked up and went, hold on a minute. Where Schmeichel, he'd been subbed, so they'd got Van Van der Gau in the oh, uh, come on for him, and I'm thinking, oh God, what we're going to do now? So I'm pointing to the corner of, in my opinion, I'm pointing to the corner of where I'm going to hit it, and then I'm thinking, does he think that's where I'm going to hit it, or am I asking him to die that way? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to take the penalty as if it, it's it's real. You know, we can't fix it, yeah. <laughs> so I ended up just yeah. you know smashing it to the. Uh, the, the other side with my left foot, so uh, that was a bit of a bit of a fluke that that went in. Well, it went in, which was a which was a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a great night. Yeah, it was a fantastic night, and, and uh, I say you had a big crowd there as well, wasn't it? Yeah, no, they were they were absolutely brilliant, and uh, you know, and, and that's where that that connection comes with 
from 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 when I was playing to how it ended to the benefit game to you know the 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 job and the reason why I do the job now that I'm doing is because you know I, there's an affinity between me and the people of Coventry and uh, it's about giving back as well. So. Yeah. And Alex Ferguson, did he have some nice words to say for you? I'm sure he did, didn't he? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> As you say, just little stories remind me that he's. Uh, so he came up to see me in uh, in hospital, yeah. and um, and he's sitting there next to my mom in the waiting room, and uh, you know gets chatting as you do, and he goes, "Oh, you know what? Who are you? What are you doing here?" And you know, and chat, he goes, "Oh, you know, Alex Ferguson." My mind had clue who Alex Ferguson was. And then my dad walks in and like, you know, absolutely starstruck and, you know, my mum's just nattering away to him about just everyday life and everything. And then my dad's there, you know who that was? And, you know, it's Alex, and actually he bought me, um, he came to see me and he bought me an Eric Cantona book. Um, he just did an autobiography and, you know, it was really, really nice of him to, to do that. And it was absolutely, you know, smashing fella. You know, when he said to me, you know, anything, any time you you want anything of that, and it, you know, when people say that, they just sometimes they just say for the sake of it. But you know, he's he he meant it, and um, you know, he was, you know, I know I could go back and ask him something if I could get in touch with him. <laughs> but uh, but no, he was just he was so sincere, and you know, he, when he brought the team down as well, and he promised me that day that he would he would they would do that. You know, if if. If, if anything, obviously at that time they didn't know, but you know, he said, "Look, any support that will do." You know, he, he was the first one to say, "Right, we're doing it." Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's great. That's such a great story. Yeah, that's really, really good to hear. Um, okay, well, that's, uh, I'll wrap that up. So, thanks, Dave, um, for, for your chat tonight. It's been absolutely fantastic, and uh, I hope everyone listening enjoyed that. Um, thank you again. It's a really good story, and. Um, Glad to see more importantly that you're in good health and you know you're still working for the Scarborough community and um, you know I wish you all the luck and I hope it can continue the good work with uh, Scarborough's community. Um, Ken, I'm going to hand over to you. No problem. Uh, Ken, I'm going to hand over to you. We've got competition just to remind ourselves. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, I think the deadline's Thursday for the family ticket for the game against Blackburn Rovers. Yes. Just to remind you the uh, question. Shall we give the question again? Was uh, which Sky Blue? I'm sure David know the answer to this, but don't tell, don't say anything. Um, which Sky Blue player was transferred from the Sky Blues to Blackburn Rovers for 1.5 million pounds in 1993? Fantastic player as well, and uh, I'm sure Dave knows, don't you? Um, answers, please. Uh, you can email us on skyblueFansTV at gmail.com, or you can go on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and get a message to leave your details on there. We're going to do the draw, I believe, Mark, on Thursday. Is that right? Um, Thursday or Sunday, I'll confirm it. I'll confirm it on social media in due course. Um, yeah, it'll, we'll have to be, need, it'll have to be Thursday. Thursday. Yes, sorry, yeah, you'll need to be Thursday. Yeah, so it can't be Sunday because that'll be a bit, a bit too late. <laughs> yeah, so we'll announce the winner on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, we'll get that done. So that that's the competition. Um, so that just leads me. So we'll have another podcast uh, on Thursday. Talk about Blackburn, and we're also looking a bit further ahead to next Sunday. We'll be previewing the Forest away game. Uh, we'll hope to get a guest from the Nottingham Forest podcast. Um, once again, I want to um, say thank you very much, to David Boost, for your time tonight. Yeah. Thanks, Ken yeah, Stewart, as always. Cheers, fellas.
Yeah, all the best. Flat, flat sky blues, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Good night. Cheers.